Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome to episode 26 of the Spider Scoop podcast. As always, I'm your host, Noah Goldberg with ESPN Richmond. I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Sherrod. He scored 1,000 points in his career with the Spiders, leading three-point shooter in the A-10 last year. Nick, coming off a major blowout loss just less than an hour ago at West Virginia. You know, this was a Spider team that comes in as the 19th team in the country. And, you know, you said it before the game that, you know, matchup-wise, um, you know, you looked at this, let alone Kentucky was younger and this team was older, just from a matchup sense, even if Kentucky was a legit team, you just look at that and think, you know, this is a big physical team. This is like a slew that Richmond's going to struggle with. You also made the point that despite that, that's not actually how they beat the Spiders today. It was actually a pretty even battle on the glass. They actually held Culver and Shibwe pretty much in check, relatively speaking. Um, I mean, it was just a tale of shooting. Mountaineers were just electric from outside and the Spiders were the exact opposite. What did you see? What were the uh, instant reactions to this one? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, you know, coming into the game, I think a lot of people expected it to be a battle on the glass and how Richard rebounded was going to determine a lot of a lot of how the game went. And honestly, I think that, you know, just when you look at West Virginia, you look at what they do. Um, I didn't really think that – I thought that the rebound thing was going to be a battle, but I thought the shooting thing was going to be um, the biggest thing. And also one thing that I think a lot of people didn't account for and then I don't think that you would have known until you watched the game was that West Virginia was kind of uniquely able to take advantage of Richmond's of the guard, size of our guards mm-hmm. as opposed to other teams. I think that, you know, when you look at Shibway and um, Culver, they both shoot under 50% from the field. They obviously get a lot of rebounds and stuff, but they're not the most efficient bigs. I think we did a good job making them shoot over us, making them make jump hooks and stuff. And we kept them off the glass, like you said. Like, it wasn't like we got beat up. But I think that, you know, McBride and those guards at being able to post up some of our smaller guards was a big difference and they felt comfortable today and they shot the ball really well. And that's, you got to tip your hat to them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that's something I think I tweeted that out during the game, right. Where it's, you know, at no point in this year have, has anyone really noticed that your two guards are six feet and five, nine, um, you, you know, like it, it, in this one, it was just, I mean, you know, their whole thing going for Richmond this year is, is experience. And even, you know, I said that I texted you, I said, this is the game that we've missed Nick Sherrod the most for a variety of reasons, but you just looking at such an experienced team and just didn't look like it, right? Like the entry pass, they couldn't get the ball into grant. He never looked comfortable. You know, you guys have done so well breaking presses through four games this year. It's been, you know, like cake walking through. And then this one, it seemed like anytime they doubled the ball, whether it was Blake or whether it was Gilly, the minute they went over half court, you know, those guys couldn't get around or pass over it in time to, to find the open man and find the extra man. You know, it really, it, it just didn't look like a team that was made up of four seniors in the starting lineup tonight. Um, you know, I, I want to start one thing that I, I noticed and I, and I kind of asked Chris about it after the game was, you know, it felt like, like Shibwe was just taking, making everything hard for Grant. Every time, because you guys know everything goes through Grant the offense, kick it to him, high post, back out, get the ball moving, but it all goes through him. And he was just battling. Like, I mean, I think it was one of the first possessions of the game, right? Blake goes down and tries to bounce it into to Grant, and he had been battling for position. Shibway takes it away. How hard is it for you guys just getting into the flow of your offense when you just can't even start it off by just getting your simple high-low and getting things going? Yeah, for sure. It makes it especially difficult. Um, again, I think that the physicality of their team showed up more on defense than it did on offense. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the key areas. Obviously, Shibway's a big guy. Culver's a big guy. And I was interested to see how they were going to match up. 
uh, who they were going to put on Nate, who they're going to put on Grant. And I mean, she was obviously a big, strong guy. And I think the biggest thing is for our offense, you want to get the ball, you want to start the offense with the big catching it as close to the block as possible. And I think that they did a good job of making Grant have to catch it out closer to the three point line. The further away that you catch it from the block, the harder it is to kind of get into the point pass and that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of where it went. And they did a good job denying the post. Obviously, Grant is one of the best bigs in the country. And to hold him not just to the points, but to only four shots, I believe, um, that makes a big difference. So I think that. Now, moving forward, we got to be able to get Grant the ball close to the block and then just give him more space. I think that spacing was a little congested. Um, and again, they're a big physical team. But it, but I think the biggest thing is with Grant and with starting the offense um, is that you want him to get the ball close to the block. And if he's catching it farther out, it kind of takes away the rhythm of some of the cuts and stuff. Yeah, and it takes away a lot of that spacing because a lot of those off-ball screens and cuts you do, right? All of a sudden when he's pushed out, you have to, you know, those screens are further outside the three-point line and you're just, it's harder to start a backdoor cut or something like that. Right. Um, so like you said, you know, they're a big physical team and, and that's kind of been the MO with them, right? Where we've talked about, they've held teams to poor three point shooting, but that's more been a, a product of just the overall suffocating defense, you know, cause things again, start down low than it is them, you know, just hawking the hawking the shooters. What did you see from that front tonight? Like I know obviously they forced a lot of turnovers. Some were forced, some were unforced, but but from the spiders, I mean, nothing was clicking offensively. I mean, they were just missing open shots. They were you know, missing threes. They were missing open looks. They were turning it over. I mean, just at no point did this look like a Richmond Spiders, you know, Princeton-esque offense at, at any point in the game. Yeah, I think that um, one of the bigger things that I've noticed just from all of our games, I think we've kind of the our, we haven't gotten a consistent offensive rhythm yet. I think that we haven't played a complete game offensively yet. Um, I think that showed up today. I think the biggest thing is they're like they, when they made shots, we didn't really respond that well to it. And again, it's hard to keep up with a team who's shooting over seventy percent in the first half in general. But I think when they threw their big punch, it kind of knocked us out. Um, and you know, I think that when they were making their run, we couldn't we couldn't figure out a way to you know break the press easily and hop right into the offense, or we couldn't figure out a way to hit a backdoor cut stuff to you know break the rhythm a little bit. I think when they came, they came in ways. And again, this might be the third best team in the country. So, like, on one end, you look at it like, okay, we didn't play well. But on the other end, they had their best shooting game that they probably have all season maybe. And, again, this this is a team that could go to the Final Four pretty easily. So, I think that for us, we just have to get do, control what we control. And I think the offensive rhythm has been a problem for us this whole year. We haven't put together a complete game. So, I think that's going to be a big emphasis going into Vanderbilt um, on Wednesday is just trying to figure out how, how we can, one, make the open shots, and two, even if we're not, we're still in a flow. It's not, we're not resorting to the pick and roll. We can get stuff where we want to. Yeah, I agree. And that's why, you know, for me, like my biggest storyline after this game is not the defense. It's not the fact that they, you know, lit you up from shooting. Like you said, you know, if, if that's who West Virginia is as a team, like they're the number three team in the country, like you said, like you're just not going to beat them like that. I mean, that is when you do that and you combine it with the defense, they play like there's nothing you can do. I thought they executed, like we've said, the game plan of, you know, going into the game, it was, take away the stuff down low and like you said you know maybe that wasn't the best approach those guys aren't the most efficient but at the end of the day you looked at that team and you said that's a team i want to make them they're not going to beat us from outside and they did so you got beat so i think from that perspective it was just i think the better team won i think like like you said right it, it's the offense it's not finding the rhythm it's not finding the flow you know blake i think was i want to say one of 10 one of 11 from three tonight um and, and we talked about how hard it is to to get into that flow when you just can't move the ball you can't get it into grant like that you know, how to like, what is the answer? What is, what is Chris, what does coach Mooney say in practice tomorrow and Tuesday about how to find 40 minutes of consistent offense? What do you guys do? Whether it's 
getting gilly shots. He only shot the ball seven times tonight. Um, I don't know. Is Connor getting more minutes? Is that the answer? Is it Blake getting less shots? Like, how do you get out of these ruts that they just seem to hit? Um, yeah, I think that um, one guys just have to make shots. I think that's the biggest thing. I think obviously yeah. everything is easier on offense when guys are making shots and guys are scoring. Um, I think that we just have to make sure we're a little bit more crisp on offense. I think the turnovers are also a pretty big deal. I feel like mm-hmm. we're turning the ball over in places that we wouldn't normally turn them over in. So I think that that's another thing that's going to affect offensive rhythm at any time. When you're giving the ball away, you're not getting you're not getting a shot up. You don't have a chance to score all that stuff. But I just think that guys just have to make shots. I think that at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I like to see Grant and um, Gilly get up more shots. Um, they can't t- if they're we're not going to be as good as we want to be if they're going to take a combined eleven shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that you know you want to be able to figure out and figure out ways they can get more shots. But I I think it's just about making open shots and taking the shots confidently. You can't lose confidence in your ability to score. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like I, like I said, right? Like that's this is a game where they miss you more than they ever have because you're not just you know they have a lot of there's a lot of good three point shooters on this team you know besides you, but I think it's safe to say you are by far the most consistent guy. Like you you know even if Nick's zero for three, zero for four to start the game, you're in rhythm, you're in you're in transition. Gilly steals it, goes up, and you kick to Nick on the open corner. It doesn't matter how cold Nick's been; everyone feels good about that shot. I think that's the difference maybe with a guy like Blake or a guy, you know, even like Gilly is, you know, they, they just hit these slumps um, where that happens. And I think like you said, right. I agree that, you know, Grant and Gilly, I think Gilly especially need to shoot the ball more because obviously Tyler can get his, obviously Blake can get his, but Blake is streaky and then Tyler's a sophomore. So, you know, there's just going to be games where he doesn't get it. If you get scoring out of those guys, if you get a 21 and 13 night out of Tyler, you know, that's an added bonus. If you're getting that, you're going to dominate the other team, but you can't rely on it. And and I think, again, it, it's hard when you're already down so big at the half to get yourself up for it at that point. But even still, Gilly was three of six shooting in the first half and no one else was, you know, really even competent shooting. So for him to take one field goal in the second half just feels, it, it just feels like a, like a terrible, just a recipe for disaster, quite honestly. Um, So don't want to run too long here. We got a couple messages I mean, I guess we'll go with the text message one first. This came in at 2.30, so I guess this was during the game. Not really sure how this was a concern, but someone asks, what are your thoughts on putting a guy like KO or Burton on tip-offs instead of Golden? I get that Golden is 6.10, but Burton and KO can jump so much higher. I don't want to spend more than like 30 seconds on this because this is just so not relevant to the game, but any quick thoughts on that? Um, I mean, if, I mean, if you ask Grant, his jump-off percentage is pretty good. Yeah, uh, I don't think it matters that much. Uh, obviously, you want to start the game with the ball, but I mean, my freshman year, I think Demonte did the jump balls at TJ, so it's not like that's not something we haven't done before. But mm-hmm. I really think that's like a irrelevant aspect of the game plan. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on from that because I agree. Like, who, <laughs> who cares? Um, that we got we got one voicemail. Uh, so we've already kind of touched on some of it, but I'm gonna play it here. Uh, let me share this. Share screen. Share computer audio. Okay. Let me know if you can hear it. Hey, this is Alex calling from West Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, obviously not a great game, but I didn't really mind um, Richmond's approach to it too much. I mean, on some level, there's nothing you can do when the worst, statistically the worst three-point shooting team, the Big 12, just absolutely goes lights out and shoots over 60%. Um, there's only so much you can stop. It's like St. Louis starts making threes. Uh, you can only defend so much with their big men inside. Um, and offensively, I think a lot of the turnovers were because of that, just pressing too hard. Um, obviously, it's an issue going forward they need to address, but 
when you're trying to catch up with a team like that, there's not a lot you can do. Um, and the only real concern that I had was why Connor Crabtree didn't play a little bit more. I know it would have been trial by fire, but it would have been nice to get him some playing time with uh, some real playing time with Vandy and uh, and Loyola coming up and with margin of error being a little bit smaller without Kentucky, the Kentucky win being too good. Um, I think it might be a little bit of an issue not getting in the rotation, but all in all, it's obviously not a great result, but I don't uh, really know what much else they could have done um, to defend them, at least offensively slowed it down. Anyways, thanks. Okay, so so I think he, you know, in terms of the the defense and stuff, he kind of hit on like what we hit. It's you know when they when they shoot like that, you know, it is what it is. That's just a good team. But what what are your thoughts on that? Um, I know you've you've kind of said that you know it's his first game in this sense. What 2018, 2019, probably don't expect a lot of minutes. But do you think one on a night that Richmond just cannot get shots to fall? You're already down big. Like, what do you have to lose? You know, why not why not stick him in there with with 12 minutes in the second half and see if you can get a spark? Do you think that's a health thing or do you think that's just coach trusting his guys and thinking they'll turn it around? Um, I don't want to speculate too much, but I think that it's probably a little bit of uh, it's just his first game back. And I don't think as somebody who's been through um, the surgery myself and the rehab and stuff, I think that as much as Connor, I know Connor has been itching to play for a long time as much as he wants to play. He's only been to had a couple practices and a couple workouts of like full speed. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely think his minutes are going to go up because he definitely adds something that we need on the team. So like, I think, for everybody, it's just like patience with Connor. I know it's like a lot of excitement and stuff, and he's a really good player. He's gonna be really good, but at least for the next couple games, and maybe he plays 15, 20 minutes next game. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure Coach has has figured out. Connor knows what to expect, and obviously, a lot of people are just like, "Hey, just throw him in there. It's just a couple minutes." But the guy just had a lot of surgeries, been through a lot. So I think the smartest thing is just again have patience. When he's ready to play, he's gonna play. And he's gonna play well. But for right now, I think it's just important that you have to understand that. He's had maybe one or two full practices, and he's just getting himself back into playing shape. And again, I think he's going to get more minutes on Wednesday than he did tonight. But it was literally his first game action. So I think a little bit of patience and, again, just understanding that he didn't have a regular, like a hand surgery. You know what I'm saying? He's been through a lot. So, mm. Yeah, definitely. I like it. I mean, it's a hip. Everything runs through it. And, you know, I, I still feel like – you kind of have nothing to lose at a certain point and he probably could have put him in earlier, but again, it's probably moots that, you know, that wasn't going to turn this game around regardless. And, you know, for him, it's like, you know, they, it's one game, like it's not going to make or break Connor's success or failures this season, nor your failures or success in that game. Um, You know, and, and like you said, right. Like you obviously had a huge game in your first game back, but you had a full normal off season. You had been practicing, like, of course you out, you can drop 27. This guy just had his first full practice in, a year basically i mean so so yeah, i agree with that um i i do hope he finds an expanded role as he gets comfort and gets comfortable this year because i mean like we said right like in terms of stylistically off the bench like he's the closest thing out of anyone else off the bench to to helping like get back what they lose in you so i hope to see that um all right last thing before we wrap it up you've been in the locker room you know you're with these guys um you know this is a week where you know you got two w's before this game but you know, Wofford, right? You're down by five, less than three minutes left. You know, COVID pause, I guess there's kind of reasons why you struggle. Then you come out Northern Iowa, you win by 10, but that was a closer game than we thought. So two not super impressive showings. And then you have this one, right? Probably dropping out of the rankings tomorrow. I don't know, but we'll see. What is the conversation in the locker room, whether it's after this game, what is the focus going to be in, in the next two days of practice and just the mindset of this team now and just moving on this week? 
Yeah, I think the mindset is just getting better. Um, obviously, the game didn't go how they want, how they probably wanted wanted it to. Um, but also, you gotta. I think it's one of those things that I don't think the coaches are gonna say this, and the players probably aren't. Like I said, they, they that's probably their best shooting game of the season, and sometimes that just happens. So I don't think you let the game linger too much. Obviously, the turnovers and maybe some of the lack of aggression, those are things that you can fix. But as far as the result, you kind of just you look at the film, you figure out what you did right and wrong, but you don't dwell on that too much because it's not like um, they played terribly and still beat them by 20. Like they had a they had a great game. Um, so I think that the guys are going to be ready to go on Wednesday. Obviously, some things on offense and defense, turning the ball over and all that stuff that you still want to clean up. But for the most part, I think the guys are just going to come in with a fresh mindset. Um, it's a pretty quick turnaround from this from this game to Wednesday and then to Friday now. So I think it's just about sharpening things up, again, with the older team who's had their fair share of losses. I think it's going to be a little bit easier for them to bounce back from from this one. Yep. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to forget, you know, two years ago, this was a 20 loss team. So this team, you know, knows how to deal with that. Um, and they, they will certainly figure it out. Like you said, I think it's just tweaking things, consistency, and just figure out, we know when we're at our best, how do we play at our best more? So, so they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, that's it from us spiders down to West Virginia, 87, 71. Um, we will be back in action on Wednesday, uh, against Vanderbilt. And then uh, Friday, um, of course, with Loyola Chicago and Indianapolis. That's it from us, Spider Scoop Podcast, episode 26. Nick, thanks for joining me, and we will see you guys next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.